You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome to the All Access Legends podcast. You can find this currently on Spotify. It'll be on Apple Podcasts very soon. I'm very pleased to have our guests here, college basketball Hall of Famer, non-college basketball Hall of Famer, part <laughs> owner of the Hawks, Grant Hill. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. I feel like I have to ask, with all that's been going on this week, as we know, a number of organizations, including the NBA, WNBA, Major League Baseball, to name a couple, have chose to sit out games after the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. I'd just like to start with, what are your thoughts just on the stand that the the players took? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was, you know, it was, it was a beautiful moment uh, last week, or excuse me, yesterday. And, um, you know, in the midst of, of some troubling times. And I think we've all, once again, uh, you know, seen firsthand uh, video accounts of, of, you know, another another black person in this case, uh, a black man, you know, just just wrongfully killed and could have, you know, easily been avoided. And mm. and so, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of things. I mean, I think first of all, I understand players' frustrations and, and, and sort of being overwhelmed with the the thought and the idea of playing. Uh, I also understand players feeling like, wow, what can we do? What more can we do? Right. Um, you know, we're, we're a little bit, you know, obviously further removed from from what happened with George Floyd and and certainly, um, you know, all of the attention uh, as a result of that mm-hmm. on you know, not just police brutality, but racism in general. And the whole world, you know, stopped to watch and pay attention and realize that we're no longer in denial and no longer, um, you know, uncomfortable, I guess, talking about it, at least as a black man. Um, and so fast forward, um, it's just a, you know, it's a, sorry about that. It's a, you know, it's, it's just an opportunity to, to, to flash some light and or, or spot, or shine a light on, on this again, and just get people almost pressing the reset button, you know, and it's like, right. okay, this is why we're here. This is what's going on. Uh, and so, you know, I was on one hand as a former player. You know, I was happy. I was happy that they understand or they have a voice and uh, are willing to exercise and use their voice mm-hmm. by sending a strong statement. And then I also think it spoke to, you know, the role that basketball has played. I mean, I think back, you know, back when the, when the pandemic began, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there was a lack and a void of leadership, I think, in general, in terms and still is in some ways in terms of how to approach this. But the right. NBA was the first professional sports league to jump in and cancel. And then from there, there was almost a dominoes effect and other leagues. And, and, and it almost became after that moment, there was a real sort of urgency as, OK, this is this is this is real. Yeah. And we've been dealing with that ever since. And then we were the first uh, team with first, excuse me, league with with with, with you know, with with the commissioner and with with Chris Paul and the Players Association mm-hmm. in partnership to thoughtfully, I think, intelligently and deliberately open back up and really have no 
issues as it relates to health and COVID and positive testing and, and you know, other leagues can't say that. So uh, I think the leadership um, that was displayed by our players yesterday is really in line with the leadership that the players in the league have demonstrated, you know, over the course of this last year. Now, as a former player, I, put put yourself in the, their shoes. Like, I guess, what does that conversation look like with your teammates? Like, the, the conversation, like, how does it even come up that we may, you know, protest, we may not play a game, we may not, you know, X, Y, Z until we, we feel heard? What do you, like, what's that conversation look like inside the locker room? Well, you know, I think, I think all of this is in a way personal. And right. all of this, I think, is, is not just as, as black NBA players, but I think, I think, you know, even, even white NBA players and some of the foreigners who, uh, as a result of, of being a part of this league, which is predominantly black, I think there's a tremendous understanding uh, and empathy that, that goes, you know, that, 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 that one has towards what it is to be black uh, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with the Bucks, obviously this happening right there close to, to Milwaukee. So it's even more personal right. uh, in some ways. And then, you know, you also have to factor in the Bucks. you know, lived through something with one of their own, Sterling Brown, who, yep. along with George Hill, were the two sort of representatives to speak publicly uh, on their stance yesterday. Uh, and Sterling Brown had an episode with law enforcement, which was caught mm-hmm. on video. And he was just in a parking lot and uh, and was, you know, was beaten, you know. And, yep. and, and so, you know, when you have, when it's that close to home, you know, you can understand uh, the reason it was so personal and the reason they felt the need to do something. And so, um, you know, I think, I think those conversations, I think it really all happened from what I'm hearing now. It happened right before the game. It wasn't something like, you know, guys were planning this all along. Right. Um, you know, it was one of those things where you, you sit and you talk and you share. And, you know, I would assume, you know, one thing I'll say is in the NBA as a player uh, you, and, and, and as you, with your teammates, you really bond when you're on the road, you know, those are mm-hmm. opportunities to really kind of spend time, hang out, socialize, go to dinner, go to movies on the bus. You know, I really, feel, I've always felt that's when you become a team is when you go on the road. Uh, and so these guys have been on the road for, you know, this entire duration here in the bubble. Right. And so to have those open and honest and frank conversations, um, I think that's what a team does. And that's what a team, you know, ultimately, so how that began, I don't know how it began, but I think to have the kind of comfort and the level of trust to engage in that kind of dialogue ultimately ended to a united front where they decided to take action like they did. Mm-hmm. Now, does players mindset Grant Hill, does that vary from owner mindset Grant Hill? <laughs> like as a player, do you think one thing and now as an owner, like how would you, how do you feel now as an owner? You know, cause this the Hawks aren't in the bubble, but this is still like this is an NBA issue, uh, even bigger. So how does how does the owner mindset? Well, you you have an understanding of both sides, and you know I think you you know I played 19 years in the NBA, and I think all of us as former players, we still think like players, and we still right. you know you're part of a, a fraternity, you're part of a family, um, and that's whether you're a rookie in the NBA now or you're 25, 35 years removed from playing. Uh, obviously, every generation is different, and and their experiences are different. Their Absolutely. thought process uh, processes are different as well. Um, but I, I understand sort of what you know, 
really from labor negotiations and sort of the 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 conversations and and just trying to you know find a solution and trying to get every get everyone's voice voice voices heard and then having leadership speak on behalf of the entire group and sometimes that can be troubling and difficult because you have so many people that that have a voice and have a perspective they want to share I also now, over the course of the last five, six years, going on my sixth year, you know, I understand ownership, and there's a lot more to it that I did not necessarily realize as a player. Hmm. And so I understand some incredible decisions. I understand the responsibility uh, as a governor, as um, you know, as a steward of our franchise, particularly in Atlanta. I understand financial implications. Uh, I have a greater sense of the business of not just the Atlanta Hawks, but the business of the NBA. And um, and so I think as a as a ball player, you, you you think you understand, or you feel like you understand, you know, sort of the the, the basketball umbrella or basketball operations uh, component of of a, of a franchise. Mm. But there's a whole nother side, and you start dealing with revenue and television revenue and arena revenue and corporate partnerships, marketing, like all of these sort of moving parts that play an intricate part and important role uh, in our business and our ability to, to put out a great product. And so uh, I have a healthier respect for that, but also I have a respect for, you know, there's consequences to actions. And so if players, you know, were to have ultimately decided to not play or make that decision down the road, um, I understand what that looks like. <laughs> you know, I understand right. what potentially next year looks like if we have spectator free basketball. And how that impacts our business. See, these are things that, in this particular role as a governor, we've spent the last five months going over every possible scenario. And uh, and so, as a player, I don't know if I would have understood that. I wouldn't have understood that. Right. And, and and so, you know, there's a lot of implications. There's a lot of uncertainty going forward. Um, you know, what what does a reopen for next season look like? And I know, you know, I know we'll get to that eventually at some point as a league. Uh, but these are things that we're constantly looking at examining, trying to get a level of understanding, trying to anticipate. Um, and so, you know, th there's so much more, um, you know, that I've learned just in the five years uh, in terms of how to run and operate a business uh, and how, how you know, incredibly challenging uh, that can be uh, from, from so many, you know, it's certainly, you know, rewarding and something we, mm -hmm. we enjoy, but um, there's a healthy respect for all that, that all that that encompasses. Right. Now, you mentioned like the, the camaraderie, like a team becoming a team, you know, on the road or in this case inside the bubble. Do you think this is like the, the decision to sit out games? Do you think that's something that would have happened like outside the bubble? Like if the Bucks say they got to an arena ready to play the magic, there are 30,000 people in there. Do you think it's easier or harder to kind of walk out like at that point? You know, it's tough to say. I mean, you know, look. Police brutality has been happening for a while, and it's been happening for a while in terms of it being captured on 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 you know on phone on video cameras and put on the internet. Right. And I think the first time where I think today's generation of players really found their voice as it relates to police brutality against black men and black people was with Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. And so I think since then you see that, that today's modern athlete, really led by the NBA players, have really evolved and taken a stance 
uh, and understanding the power of their voice and exercising that power. And so during that time, we, we, we never really, we've had all types of incidents. We've had different you know, voices speak up, but we've never, 2020 is symbolic in a lot of ways. Mm. You know, 2020, um, you know, is, is, you know, in the medical term, you know, with, with it's, it's 2020 visions, perfect vision. And, and, and so, you know, when, when, when COVID happened and, and, and everything comes to a halt and there's absolutely nothing going on, we're kind of fatigued by this whole COVID environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, bam, a series of incidents occur, culminating with, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and happening, you know, cons- you know, consecutive days, weeks, what have you. It's like all of a sudden, this big spotlight that in a normal environment probably wouldn't have been as big. Right. Was 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 was, was you know was shine shined on this particular in- issue, and you couldn't run from it. It was on the news twenty four seven. It was everywhere, and so it was the first time that you felt like, as a black person, at least during my lifetime, that like America was watching and paying attention, and mm-hmm. some who cared um, were we're really opening their eyes and, and like I said, not in denial anymore and like, okay, recognizing the wrong. Mm-hmm. Now this wrong has been there. So I say all this to say, to answer your question, I don't know if we were in a normal environment, if we didn't have this COVID and we were just going through a normal season and right. the season had ended and we're in the playoffs in the second round and something like this were to happen. I don't know if the players would have gone to this extreme, mm-hmm. but I think part of going to this extreme is the circumstances Definitely. and the intensity of those circumstances. And, 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 and this was a year ago, I don't know, because there was too much going on, too much Definitely. distraction, too many things. We would have treated it, you know, I think, and I can't, you know, it's all hypotheticals, but we would have mm. treated it like Eric Gardner. We would have treated it like, you know, we would have treated it like others. Just another another one, yeah. And we've been outraged and frustrated and, 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 found ways to speak out about it and, you know, and this, that, and the other. But I think the intensity of 2020 has forced us all to pay attention. Mm. And I'll tell you, as a black man, and one of the things I realized, I mean, because what ends up happening is that as a black man, you end up becoming white, white people's therapists, as I like to say, you know, and, <laughs> right. and a lot of white people come to you and they want answers. They want yep. understanding and they want to know, they, they, they curious. And I think, you know, I think people are genuine. Uh, it's exhausting yep. <laughs> telling people, and, you know, you have a duty yep. and a responsibility, though, I think, to do that. Uh, but what's also exhausting is that as a black person during that time where it was really intense and it was 24 mm-hmm. seven, really thinking about all the injustices and all the the mic, the the the, the, the micro or the macroaggressions and and mm-hmm. and just the things that we've endured as a people and the things even now in my sort of world of privilege as a former athlete and owner of a team that I still experience, sure. you know, and, and whether it's with law enforcement or, or just the Uber driver who, you know, I got to disarm when they pull up to my cul-de-sac because I'm, you know, I don't want them to think I'm a threat, but right. you know, it, it, you know, all of that, we, we experience that even still. And when you really sort of focus all your energy on that, it's exhausting. Mm. Because a lot of times we just are conditioned as black people to just deal with it, yep. you know, to, to navigate it. It's all we know. Right. This is all you know as a black person. You've been dealing with it as long as you've been on earth. And so you just, you're not thinking about, I don't know if I'm making sense, but you're not, not thinking absolutely. about it 24-7. Yeah. 
you're just surviving or right. you're just navigating and you're just trying to figure it out. But now when you really start thinking about it, it's even heavier, you know? And so, mm. so anyway, I, I, I do think that um, I'm not sure if, if this was business as normal and we weren't in this particular environment. I don't know if we would have gone to that extreme of boycotting a game. Mm. And kind of along that, those lines, it's something that was discussed yesterday when they decided to stop play and more recently, you know, uh, deciding to resume play was the bubble was even going to the bubble ultimately a distraction. Like, do you think it, it took away from, I guess, the platform of what the players were kind of able to say, or do you think it amplified it? You know, that's a great point. I, I, I think it amplified. I mean, mm. I, I think, you know, I think what, what, you know, I, I think there are a few players in the NBA who have the stature, um, have the, you know, the, the name recognition, the star power, um, you know, the reach mm -hmm. to use their platforms to speak on these injustices. I think not every player has like a LeBron James, you know, mm -hmm. or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or guys like that. Right. Um, and so this gives every player an opportunity. You know, George Hill and Sterling Brown, incredible human beings. I don't know Sterling, but I know George. Um, you know, really good people, good basketball players, you know, not superstars, but certainly very good players and very mm -hmm. capable. Might not have had that platform to speak about this situation. Right. And that, and that, you know, the whole world sort of hearing what they had to say yesterday as they spoke on behalf of the Milwaukee Bucks. But in the bubble and in this platform, they had that. And that's a very important thing. And so, you know, I was talking to the, the, the great agent, uh, Rich, Rich Paul, uh, mm -hmm. over the course of the last, you know, last day. And, you know, he was talking about, and he used this as an example, and, you know, certainly want to be respectful because, you know, she's no longer with us, but Whitney Houston, the great singer. Mm -hmm. and, and Whitney, you know, her voice, you know, I mean, just beautiful and one of the most angelic voices ever. Yeah. Um, but if, if Whitney had stayed in that church in New Jersey where she grew up, you know, she she began singing mm -hmm. and she just limited herself to singing in that church, right. then you know what? That church would have been blessed and it would have been amazing. And but you know, the whole world would have been denied this beautiful voice. And mm -hmm. so by reaching and going outside of that church and, and having her career and, and like the whole world got a chance to witness her voice and how beautiful it was. And, and, and obviously still sad after many, many years that mm -hmm. she's no longer here. And so, you know, this platform provides a voice and it provides a voice for everyone. So, you know, I may be wrong in that, but that's how I feel. And I'm not saying that as an owner. I'm not, I'm just sort of being, mm -hmm. I'm saying as a, as a broadcaster, as an analyst, like, right. which is another hat I wear, like, this is a platform. And I do think when, if players were to leave this and say, you know what, we're done, we don't want to do this. We can't, we can't do what we want to do to make change, well, then there's mm -hmm. going to be an expectation that players are going to be on the front lines. Right. Players are going to be, you know, in Louisville. They're going to be in, in Kenosha. They're going to be in Minneapolis. They're going to be doing these things. And, and, and some players have done those things. So, you know, and that's, that's fantastic. Um, but I do think there's a, we all have roles to play in any kind of movement. And we all have a you know, role. And I think a role for us is to use this platform to continue to hammer home and shine the light on these injustices. 
And the NBA, historically and certainly throughout this, is an ally. I really do believe Adam Silver, Mark Tatum, Kathy Barons, uh, ownership, you know, governors in the league. I think they want to support. They right. want to, you know, and it's just working together to figure out what can we do collectively to try to move the needle and make change. And one final question. We won't hold you too long. And I, I don't want to put all the onus on you, but what what do you think the next step is here? Like there, there are clearly some steps that we, the people, players, like can't control. We're not the ones shooting black people. So we can't control that aspect of it. But in your opinion, just what do you think the the next step looks like? Well, I don't think, I mean, I think, I think sometimes when we look at the civil rights movement Mm. and and we look at what happened in Selma or or the March on Washington or the the Birmingham bus, uh, you know, bus boycott, you know, I think we look at those in isolated, like isolated moments. Right. And the reality is like the civil rights movement was over a period of 20 plus years. Yep. It, it was all, you know, it, it's and still so going. Yeah. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like that particular, like it was, it was ongoing. And so I think we, we, and maybe I'm cynical or maybe I'm trying to be realistic here, or maybe I'm looking back and studying using history as a lesson, mm-hmm. but you know, this type of change that we all want, I just, I think the problem is it doesn't happen at the pace we want. Right. You know, we want it now. Right. And particularly we're in this world now where we want instant gratification. You know, everything, technology, you know, and, and now we just, everything's quick and easy. Right. We can snap our fingers and we expect it. Yep. And, and I don't know if it works like that. Someone asked me on a Zoom call where I was speaking as a, as a panelist, someone asked me, how do you change what's in people's hearts? Mm. Because at the end of the day, you can, you know, reform and legislation and all that, but we're talking about what's in someone's heart. Right. We're talking about how, and, and maybe we can't change what, what's in a contemporary of mine who's, you know, I'm about to be 48 years old, but maybe we can change their children or their, their grandchildren. Right. And maybe it's a generational change. Maybe those type of, maybe sacrifices that our forefathers made, we're benefiting from. And, and, and so I don't have the answers. I, I mean, I think next step is that we just have to continue to shine light on this. Mm. We have to vote. You know, that's, that's really, and I think sometimes as, as people of color, we were very cynical about the voting process. But, you know, I, I, I do, and I'm not telling people who to vote for. I know I'm voting for, mm. but I think we have to use the system to try to change and fix the system. Mm. And one of the, the powers we have is the right to vote. And then, you know, it's not just voting for presidents, voting for our elected officials who local and state who have more of an impact on, on our quality of life and, and, right. our, and our, you know, and, and our whole, our day-to-day yeah, being. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot more work to be done, um, but I don't think it's something that we're gonna just snap our fingers and get to where we want. We, you know, part of me as a cynic is like, we're never gonna get there. You know, but I owe it to those before me and we all do, I believe, to keep fighting and keep moving the needle and hope that in time we can get there, if that makes any sense. Oh, it it absolutely does. Absolutely does. We'll uh, we'll get you out of here on that one. Grant Hill, thank you so much for joining us on the All Access Legends podcast. Again, this will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts will be up tomorrow, a Friday. And thank you for your time, Grant. All right. Thank you, Tyler.